Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, and really excited to be with you again this week with yet another incredible role model, really fantastic woman. And she happens to be from my hometown of Austin, Texas. She's living here and really making waves and doing great things. So I'm super excited to introduce you to her. So today we are welcoming Tia Williams, who is a director and filmmaker. We're going to get into talking about her cool project in a minute, but let's welcome Tia to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, I always love to start going way back. Like think about when I was growing up, what did you think you were going to be doing? What was your big dream? Oh my gosh, if I tell you, you have to promise not to put me on the spot and ask me to sing. (laughs) No one could tell me that I was not going to be a performer of some sort. I swore that I was going to be a singer. That was really what I had my heart set on. I would walk around humming and singing in my kitchen and forcing my mom to listen to my concerts. That's what I wanted to be. And then as I got older, I wanted to be an RN. So big jump there. (laughs) Wow, that was a big jump. Creative to STEM, essentially, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so I started out going to school for nursing and then I saw some blood and ran away from that as quick as possible. (laughs) A lot has changed. I did not see filmmaking when I was younger at all. That's the one thing that I never thought of. Sounds like you had some creative roots, you know, with the singing and everything and certainly just seeing your world. Sounds like you were also curious about different things. I mean, going from that to sort of you know, looking into being an RN, you know, even if that didn't work out, you know, that curiosity that you had to explore those things, I'm sure, you know, helped bring you to where you are today. Because I think that's the big thing about a filmmaker is that curiosity, that wanting to tell those stories and find out more and dig really deep. So let's talk about your film, which is called Gentrified which I love. And I mentioned Tia was from my hometown of Austin, Texas. And, you know, Austin is kind of known as this cool, hip, liberal city in the South. But what people don't know is we got some pretty big growing pains right now. You know, we're becoming a big city. You know, we went from a very small town to a big city and we're pretty segregated. It's it's pretty rough. So I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about that, your experience in the film, and then, you know, just kind of give us your take on where you see all that going. Definitely. So Gentrified, it's actually a web series. So it's a total of five episodes. And in the series, we kind of explore the impacts of gentrification directly through the residents. So not necessarily thinking about the financial cost or, you know, the stats that come along with gentrification, but more so thinking about what someone is going through on a day-to-day basis the history that they're losing when they're losing these generational homes on the east side of Austin, the depression that one goes through. And so we're kind of slicing it from that nature and wanting to paint that picture so people have more of an idea of what it actually looks like. For me, I always think that if people have or can see exactly what's happening, it's easier to tie to someone emotionally versus just constantly talk about stats Instead of turning people into numbers, we get to truly understand the nature of what another human being is going through. And like you said, Austin, every day it seems like more and more people are moving here. And what we're losing is what I fell in love with initially when I moved to Austin was the weirdness. Yes, we do have a lot of pride in being weird. (laughs) It's just there's so many different types of personalities and different types of people. It's almost like just a little melting pot. And the arts, the culture, the food all of these things that we love about the city is currently exactly what we see being pushed out. And as you mentioned, it being segregated, I think a lot of people forget that 
back in the day, black and brown people were kind of pushed and relegated to the east side of Austin in order to actually live. That was kind of the only place where we could go. And now what you see is all of those people being forced out of those homes where they have built community and are now being forced to move to the outskirts and move completely out of Texas or what have you. So Right. And I do think that, you know, sort of the, you know, the struggle and I think until you get here, sort of that dirty little secret is how segregated we are in many ways, still just in neighborhoods and things like that. I mean, certainly living here, I see that, you know, it's very distinct and the city is talking about it and how everybody's struggling with it and really how can we lean in and make that not so because we're all better when we have neighborhoods where we have a lot of diversity, you know, it's important for everyone. Definitely. And hopefully it's something that we'll see that maybe it'll slow down or some kind of change will happen. I myself, I think it's really sad when you think about we're down to 7% Black as far as being in Austin. And that's a very small number and it's not really slowing down. We're seeing a rise in the outskirts, Pflugerville, Maynard, the other cities. But as far as Austin, its core, we're dwindling every day. So hopefully that's something that's addressed soon in, in a major way. Yes, absolutely. The name of the podcast is See It To Be It. And I think that you want to see people that are like you. It's not that you don't want to interact with other types of people, but you also want to have that comfort level. We need to create a space where, you know, it does feel like a welcoming environment and one where, you know, a person of color looks at it and says, I could really thrive here. So that's important. I just want to talk a little bit about kind of the filmmaking industry in general, because that's a really hard industry to break into, number one. It's an even harder industry to break into as a woman. But then as a woman of color, I'm sure you've seen some big challenges. I'd love for you to talk about maybe some of those hurdles, you know, you've seen in the industry or maybe even some of the positive change that's happening. But of course, we watch the Oscars and, you know, there's no woman nominated for best director. I, can we get on <laughs> soapboxes now? I mean, you want to jump up here with me? Okay, so this year I just bow out. I refuse to watch. Yeah, I didn't watch either. It's 2020 and I'm like, here we are, guys. Come on. Are, really? <laughs> What is going on? I don't understand how women are being celebrated in so many ways. And we're having all these conversations about diversity. To me, what it feels like is that diversity and inclusion have become buzzwords. It's thrown out there so that there's this facade of, hey, we're diverse. You know, we're on track. But internally, those changes aren't really happening. So it's Mm -hmm. like, celebrate you, but not really include you or actually celebrate you. So the Oscars for me just a no-go. I just refused. (laughs) Which is a lot to say as a filmmaker, you know, in that industry, that's a statement. I think I've gotten to the point and I'm small time. I'm, you know, still working and still learning and trying to figure out what my career is going to be and what that's going to look like. But for me, I have an understanding that awards, while they are a major part of filmmaking and everyone wants to say, hey, I was nominated or I won an Oscar, it's really not the end all be all. One of my favorite filmmakers, Ava DuVernay, is the best storyteller. And she is so passionate about the subject matter. And she's on the forefront of these issues. And I absolutely love her. And to see her not being celebrated, that's kind of heartbreaking. But she does so much. And there are so many other people who value her and her contributions to film, as well as to the day-to-day lives of individuals who are you know, actually struggling. So to me, that's more important. And that's what I think about even for myself when I did Gentrified. It's more so about how can I help the community? What can I do 
to give back? How can I use my artistry to be someone else's voice? And that's more so what was important to me. I can't say that I've run into any struggles when it comes to diversity as far as indie filmmaking goes. I think indie, from what I've seen, is actually extremely diverse because you don't have to go through one particular person or individual to say, hey, I'm going to put out a film. So for me, it was just about taking what I don't see in Hollywood and creating it for myself. My crew, my team was made up of majority uh, women and black and brown women at that. And that was really important to me when I put a team together. I'm like, okay, well, if Hollywood isn't going to do it, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make sure that we're celebrated. I'm going to make sure that we have these roles. And then hopefully, once I have a name for myself, those people can kind of come along. But yeah, it's really sad that we're still having these conversations. I think we're going to be having them for a while longer, but one of the things, and sometimes, you know, I feel like throwing my hands up and, you know, I see the the statistics not moving and, you know, sometimes even slipping backwards in this women's movement, but the minute we stop talking about it, that's when it goes away. Everything, you know, goes dark and quiet and we just, we have to keep pushing and pushing hard. And I think banding together as women, especially, you know, these posse of women who support each other are incredibly powerful. And I think that we've got to own that power. So that's great that you included so many women in what you were doing and, you know, made that one of your edicts. That's awesome. Thank you. But I definitely agree. Once we start talking about it, the movement dies. So as tired as we get, we still got to do it. Still. <laughs> Your film, it was like the city seen through the eyes of three millennial women. And I want to talk a little bit about you being a millennial and how you think your perspective is a unique perspective, you know, why you decided to show it through the eyes of three millennial women. Obviously, you're a millennial, but, you know, just kind of talk to me about that and why that was important. So the main character is actually two uh, young ladies and one guy. So when we start out, it's two siblings and another individual. Coretta and her brother, they lose their grandmother and she leaves them this house. And it's kind of about Coretta's fight to kind of keep this generational home and the family. And the reason I kind of wanted to slice it from a millennial's perspective is because I think about how a lot of us have to deal with financial crises and how a lot of us are really lost as far as what we're supposed to be doing in life. So we take that with Coretta and she's battling, holding down a job kind of becomes hard for her. She's battling depression and anxiety and she just doesn't really have the money or the guidance. And then I also kind of wanted to dive into what happens when a family loses its anchor, when we have those heads of our households who are no longer here and it's just kind of us to figure out what's next. Her mother was their only family and she was kind of the glue in this situation and she passes away. And so we see these siblings kind of going through what's next, what am I supposed to do? The only person that I really looked up to or knew to guide me is no longer here. So that's something that I really wanted to explore from a a millennial's perspective. Honestly, I use that word, but I also hate it because I feel like we get a bad rep and people don't think about how old millennials actually are. (laughs) And then another thing that I wanted to explore is the other individual is from the LGBTQ community. This is something that we see a lot of in Austin, and it's quite sad. I think that's something that as gentrification continues and as people are continue being forced out of their homes, we will continue to see homelessness rise. And so the third character, Dania, uh, she ends up being homeless because of how she identifies her mother puts her out, and she's kind of left to find her way and figure out where she's going to live. How can I live or find an apartment in a city where gentrification is rapid and the cost of a one-bedroom apartment is skyrocketing every day? So we kind of explore that as well. But I do think that what I've realized is that there are a lot of millennials who are struggling financially, college debt, school debt, 
there's no generational wealth when it comes to black and brown people. We're kind of just out here on our own and trying to just figure everything out. So, right. Yeah. In fact, I was listening to, I think it was NPR the other day and just talking about just the, the millennial generation and the financial crises and even home ownership is significantly lower than other generations. And of course, that's, you know, oftentimes how people start to accumulate wealth because you buy a home and then that appreciates, right, real estate, especially in a city like Austin, but then it becomes unattainable when things are skyrocketing. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine moving to Austin today and having to buy a house. It would be really hard because it's so expensive. So I, I think that generation is even more affected. Yeah, healthcare, everything, it just feels kind of like it's in ruin. I think about for myself, I'm like, when will I be able to retire? What age will I be when I can actually say that I'm going to retire? Hopefully I blow up as a famous director so that doesn't become an issue for me. (laughs) It's kind of scary when you think about it. I had this discussion with someone else the other day and she was looking and she was like, I'd be close to 70, 80-ish when I retire. And I'm like, who wants to work until they die? Right, exactly. things that don't directly tie to gentrification. I wanted people to kind of have a better understanding or look at things in a different light. Since you're kind of, you know, in this unique role as a female filmmaker, maybe there are some other filmmakers out there that are listening to the show. So what advice would you give other young female filmmakers about just getting into the industry and how to sort of make that first move to make your mark? Do it. Honestly, for me, that's the biggest piece of advice, if you were to ask me, is to just do it. I think that a lot of us, we think that we have to have fancy equipment or we have to go to a four-year and and study and study before we can do something. The first time that I picked up a camera, I had never studied anything. I didn't know anything about script writing. Me and my friend said, hey, we're going to shoot something. And we shot it and it was horrible and it never saw the light of day, but we did it. And the next time I did it, it was better. And the next time after that, it was better. And then here I am with Gingerfied. So really, it's just about doing it. If you have a story, use your voice and get out there. There are other people. There are so many people, especially in Austin, who want to get into film. So it's so easy to put together a crew of people who are trying to learn. I look to Ava DuVernay and and Easter Ray and Ava, I think I just retweeted. She says the same thing. Someone asked her for advice and she was like, do it. Use your phone. A lot of people are picking up their iPhones to make movies nowadays. Just get out there and do it and practice and it'll come too. I think there is a lot of, I had this discussion the other day with someone just about the the pressure that social media creates to be perfect. Not put anything out there until it's perfect because the judgment that you're going to get, you know, and I have this saying that my best friend told me a long time ago when I was fretting about something. She's like, you know what? The enemy of great is perfection. And I was like, wow, that's so true. Because the more we try, we'd never be perfect. But we end up missing great, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't just do it. So I think that's awesome and very sage advice from a a youngster like you. (laughs) (laughs) I battle with the same thing myself. My producer had to actually click submit on YouTube when we put out the trailer for Gentrified because I found something every time I watched it. Every single time I was like, no, this isn't right. Fix this, Mm -hmm. do this, do that. And they're like, stop, put it out. And now I think on Facebook, we're close to, if not over, like 60,000 views on the trailer. So, wow. That's awesome. Well, I am excited to go and check out that trailer. But as we're sort of winding down, I love to just do a little quick speed round so people can get to know a little bit more about you personally. So just, you know, real quick answers. So what's your morning routine look like? Waking up, brushing my teeth, hemming and hawing in bed and not wanting to get out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that's my routine. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. My mom bought me a, what do you call it? A Alexa. I tell her good morning now and she gets me out of bed. That's been super helpful. <laughs> gives me a quote of the day. It tells me how long it takes to get to work and she goes into my Lizzo playlist. That's awesome. Alexa woke me up this morning as well because I need the help. You know, any help I can get. Oh, did she just wake up? You said Alexa and she's reacting to you. That's hilarious. Okay. So what are you currently reading or listening to? Ooh, right now, PJ Morton has been on my playlist extremely heavy. I'm writing another story, a love story, and his music kind of really wakes up the romantic in me. So when I come home, I light some candles, listen to PJ Morton, and yeah, he takes me where I need to be. Very cool. That's awesome. So what's one thing you can't live without? My laptop. I hear ya. And believe me, you know, we are so dependent on those things. I wish I had a deeper answer where I can be like, oh, there's this tea I love, but I edit on here. I check emails here. This is literally my little business. So if I didn't have my laptop, I couldn't be a filmmaker. To make you feel better, my answer is wine. (laughs) So there you go. We all have our things, right? You know, (laughs) I think I might give up my phone before I give up my wine. You're probably right. Certainly some days for sure. But um, anyway, (laughs) thank you so much. This has been just really delightful talking to you. We're just excited to watch you and see what you do next. And I would love for you to tell our listeners how they can follow you, how they can check out your trailer and just keep a prize when they can actually see the real thing because I'm excited about that. Absolutely. So on all social media, you can follow us at Gentrified Series, G-E-N-T-R-I-F-I-E-D Series, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. As far as the trailer, we do also have a YouTube channel. So please like and subscribe and leave feedback. I'm always open to feedback on what people want to see for the series. We are currently in our festival run. So the episodes are not yet available online, but they will be soon. I would say just follow us on social media for me to announce that. I try not to announce any dates unless I'm 2000% sure because then I have to hold myself to it. And then for anyone who's interested in helping us, we still are raising funds to cover production costs. We do have a GoFundMe that is posted on all of our social media. We did receive a donation recently from someone who just won an Oscar. So yeah. Impressive. Super excited about that. Thank you, Matthew Cherry. We appreciate you. His short hair love. He won um, Best Animation. Wow, that's awesome. That's a big deal. I'm very proud of you. We're going to see big things from you. So keep us posted, you know, and make sure you keep our community posted as well on what you're doing. And trust me, we will be watching and cheering you on. Definitely. Thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.